Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Uh, So if you have a copy of God's Word uh, Bible with you this morning, uh, go ahead and get that out. Turn with me to the book of Genesis. And uh, I suppose we'll start in Genesis chapter 25 today. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, feel free to use a phone or a tablet, whatever uh, you brought today. Um, And uh, and so if you're new to church, maybe this is your first time to church ever, uh, or your first time to church in a long time, uh, I want to encourage you, you can follow along uh, in God's Word, and uh, you can download an app. Uh, I use one called YouVersion, Y-O-U Version. It's got a bunch of different translations on there. I'll be using a translation called the ESV, and uh, you guys can follow along uh, with us on that, all right? I just got a couple of things I want to chat about as you guys are turning there. Oh, yeah, I wanted to also mention uh, the response cards that you probably found uh, sitting on your seat, so rudely taking your seat, and so you moved it down the row or stuck it under your chair. I want to encourage you guys to get that out. And uh, one, there's a blue section, a tear-off card. Now, we're going to ask everybody that's here today to fill that card out. It's not just for first-time guests. Uh, it's for our whole church. We fill that card out every week. And uh, just give us your name, a prayer request, and uh, any next steps that we can help you take uh, on both sides of that card. You can fill that out and drop it off at our giving station on your way out today. Also, there's a little place you can take notes today. And I want to encourage you to take notes, uh, whether it's stuff you heard about the Greece trip, uh, the you want to remember to, to think about that or sign up for that trip or praying for our kids' men as they go to camp this week or, uh, or something from God's Word that we talk about today, all right? Um, so I want to just kind of give you guys a couple of updates um, just before we dive into God's Word today. So uh, if you're just joining us, uh, one thing we've been talking about really since January, but more specifically the last month or two, um, is that Impact is soon uh, going to be moving Sunday morning locations. And so we're calling it Move with Impact. And uh, we don't want to just shift around, but we believe that the church is not uh, the building that we meet in, that you do not come to church today, but that we are the church today. We to follow Jesus are the church. So wherever we go, the church is, all right? And that's why we say we're a church of community groups, not a church on Sunday morning, um, because our community groups meet in homes all throughout the week, all throughout the Fredericksburg area, and they are the church, all right? We are the church. Um, and so the, uh, the building that we're currently meeting in, Cornerstone, uh, they are selling this property, and, uh, and we are uh, currently looking and and kind of figuring that out of where we want to go. And originally, they had told us, uh, we want you out by the 1st of July. And we were like, okay, let's do this, Lord. And, uh, and so we've got a few options of places that we can meet on Sundays. And again, just remembering that this is just a, a move for where we do this on Sundays. And what we're doing right now, it's one of my favorite things that we do. I love it, but it's only like 10% of what we do as a church, okay? Like this is not all we are 
as a church. And so we're just looking for a new building to do this in uh, once a week. And uh, so we've got a few options um, that I'm hoping to share with you as soon as next week. Um, but uh, we're kind of waiting on Cornerstone. So uh, moving out by the 1st of July has kind of gotten pushed back a little bit. They're not going to make us be out uh, by the 1st of July. Um, and so we're kind of working out. They're waiting on some dominoes to fall on their end. Uh, we're waiting on some dominoes to fall on their end. And uh, we're just kind of figuring all that out. So we're just, we've done everything we can do as a church. And, uh, and so now we're just waiting on God to do what only he can do. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a good faith-filled place to be at in our lives. And so um, I wanted to just take a minute as a church and ask you to pray along with me. If we could pray that some of these dominoes will fall this week, um, just because we're tired of talking about it. We just want to keep moving on and keep making disciples and reaching new people. So, um, so I want to just lead a prayer. But before I do that, I wanted to say specifically, thank you so much for being such an awesome some church. Like, I truly believe when I get up and say these things that, that you know it and you believe it. Um, because not one time have I felt uh, pressured or have I felt uh, not supported. I feel incredibly supported. I feel incredibly prayed for. And I'm learning as a leader too. Even though I've planted this, our second church to start, um, this is new for me. All right. I've never led through something like this. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience with me. And I uh, really appreciate it. So let, let's just pray together as a church. And um, I'm going to pray out loud, but you agree with me in prayer that God's going to provide the right time and place. All right. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, um, Father, you tell us not to be anxious about anything, but to pray about all things. Heavenly Father, you tell us to ask and we will receive, to seek and we will find, to knock and the door will be open. And so, Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that uh, you would give clarity to Cornerstone and, um, Lord, that, that the dominoes that need to fall would start to fall. And, Lord, we just don't want this to be a distraction for the advancement of the gospel in Fredericksburg. And so, Lord, maybe it's just for me. <laughs> um, I don't want it to be a distraction anymore in my life. Um, but, Lord, we don't want it to be a distraction in our church. So, Father, would you just please open up the right doors um, so that it's done in such a way that nobody in this church, me mostly, will be able to take an ounce of credit for what you've done, that it will be abundantly clear that the Lord our God has made a way for us and we will keep worshiping you, we will keep making more disciples, we will keep reaching more people, and we will keep seeing people from every generation, every nation, language, and tribe lift their hands and say, Hallelujah, Jesus is the Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much. Well, um, hey, uh, if you're new with us this week, we're studying through the book of Genesis. And uh, we're going to start in Genesis 25, but just kind of tell you where we've been. So we started in Genesis chapter 1. We talked about uh, creation and um, the first five words of the Bible. And then we moved to Genesis 3, uh, where sin entered the world and uh, messed, messed everything up. But God provided a solution through Jesus for us. Um, and, and then we uh, talked about Noah and how God made a covenant or a promise with Noah um, to, to not destroy the world, but to, to give mankind mercy and another chance. And, um, and then last week, we got to hear from Wes. Uh, he did a fantastic job. I was able to listen to it when I was at the airport. Uh, we were headed down um, to New Orleans this past week and uh, got a chance to listen and did a great job talking about the life of Abraham. And so, uh, so I'm excited today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the life of Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. 
We're going to be talking about a guy named Jacob. And uh, so listen, you may wonder, like, why, why are we doing this? Why are we studying through the book of Genesis? And uh, so I just want to share with you why, why we are doing this. So usually as a church, we like to just teach through verse by verse, scripture by scripture through the Bible. And we're still doing that in Genesis. It's just Genesis is a really big book. And we're a new church, and there's a lot. We have a lot of new Christians, a lot of new followers of Jesus, and we have a lot to teach. And so um, we don't want to take the next two or three years. We may do that at some point as a church, but not this year. Um, instead, we're doing what's called a survey. So we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit. You may even notice today the story of Jacob covers a lot of area in the Bible. And you may go, well, he skipped that whole chapter or he skipped that section of, of Scripture. Listen, I'm not doing it to deceive you, okay? And so I want to encourage you, read that. In fact, go home this week. If you're like, Brandon, I need something to read in the Bible. Read this, okay? Read, read Genesis with us. Um, it's just for the sake of time. I'm just trying to get us through this. And, um, and here's what else we know that we started this church almost two years ago and we have a lot of people in our church who are new christians they're new believers and they've never heard some of these stories before like they they've never heard and maybe they've heard about noah but they never read it in the bible right um we have a lot of people who grew up in going to church but they haven't read the story of jacob that we're going to read today maybe ever they just colored the coloring sheet all right and so that that was it in in sunday school and so um listen we're doing that because we got people who are um, new Christians. We got people who are not Christians yet. We got people who are mature Christians. But I think we can all benefit from taking a fresh look at God's Word. And here's what I want you to get. I want you to understand the same God of the Old Testament, these amazing stories of the things God did. Listen to me. He's the same God today. The same God that Abraham worshiped that we read about last week is the same God that we're worshiping today. Isn't that amazing? And so, guys, I, that's what I want you to get. And so, um, so listen, we've got a lot of ground uh, to make up today uh, when it comes to the life of Jacob. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read this very much like a story. I have very few illustrations or funny jokes for you. To, well, I never really have funny jokes, but I have very few even moderately funny jokes for you today because I believe this story is so amazing, so rich, so incredible that you don't need my stories, all right? You don't need my jokes and illustrations. Like, I want you to just get the Bible for what it is today, all right? And so I'm going to read the story, um, and, and, and I may comment on a few things, to try to help us understand the context. And, um, and then I'm, I'll make a few points and we'll, then we'll go home, Frankie. How about that? All right. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 25. Did I tell you guys what verse yet? No. Well, okay, don't be so angry about it. All right. I'll t All right, we're going to start in verse 21. All right, Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 21. All right, now we're picking up with a guy named Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. So we're just kind of skipping Isaac's life to get to, to Jacob, all right? So here we go, verse 21. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Praise the Lord. All right, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer. He does that, doesn't he? And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? 
Um, I want you to understand what's happening here, okay? Like, I, I, I'm not an expert. I, I do have three children. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert, but Rebecca goes in for her, like, sonogram, you know, uh, or whatever, or not, and she's going in. They're, they're looking at the baby, and, and it says, um, as they're looking at the pictures, the, the, uh, the children are struggling within her. Now, I don't know what that feels like, but I can't imagine it's very pleasant. You know what I'm saying? And so she says what I'd imagine, sorry, fellas, I know it's Father's Day, but what every uh, mom with children uh, in her would say, um, which is, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? Right? If moms, any moms ever say that? No, we just don't want to talk about it today, right? We don't want to talk about it. I understand. So she, she went to inquire of the Lord. In verse 23, the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Well, that would explain something. And two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Um, So when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. All right, now you got to understand, back then they didn't have all the technology. It wasn't like, you know, you're just a few months in, congratulations, you're having twins. It's like, I don't know what's going on, but something inside of me is not right. I'm going to go talk to the Lord about it. And and so she goes and talks to the Lord, and the Lord says, yeah, you got a couple of nations inside of you, which I'm sure no no expecting mother wants to hear. And then she she decides, okay, that's great, but they're struggling with each other, right? Um, And so uh, here it is, behold, uh, she gives birth, and lo and behold, there were twins in her womb. All right, verse 25, the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Everybody say Esau. Esau, Esau the name Esau means hairy. Yeah, yeah, real creative, you know? And so here's the thing you got to understand about Hebrew names is they always, like, meant something. Like, sometimes we'll do baby dedication, and I'll say, so tell us how you picked out this name. And they go, I just really liked it. It was such a good name, or it was the first name on Google, you know? And I picked it out. It was good. But back then, like, in this culture, names meant something. Like, this was a big deal. And, and so I'm looking for, like, something deep, you know? So I pull out my, my ancient Hebrew dictionary, and I start looking. I'm like, Esau, Esau. Esau, Harry. That's all it means. He came out Harry. Rebecca said, your name will be? Harry. Harry. Okay. Afterward, his brother came out. Oh, don't miss this in verse 26. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. You guys know what the name Jacob means? The one who grabs the heel. That's what it means. All right. It could also mean like to supplant or uh, to usurp or to deceive. All right. And so, so Esau comes out, Harry, you are Esau, you are Harry. This one comes out while he's grabbing the heel, like from the womb, like Jacob is grabbing onto the heel. Uh, Rebecca says, oh, you are heel grabber. All right. There's your name, Jacob and Esau. So that, that was their names. But that's going to be really, really important. All right. Now, you may wonder, like, why bring that up? Is that just like a, a funny part? Um, why bring that up? Because this is really important. Um, because Jacob, even from the time he was born, knows to come out first was a really big deal. Like in this culture, to be the firstborn, you got tons of rights, all right? In fact, this is still true in a lot of cultures today. In the Western world, in America, um, we tend to just divide things up equally, right? Like um, to, to 
avoid sibling squats. Like uh, if someone passes away, we'll say, okay, there's, I got two kids. You get 50%, you get 50%. Okay, I don't care what happens after I die. But back then it wasn't divided equally. The firstborn pretty much got everything. Like the firstborn was given everything, all of the property, all of the things. And they had this thing that was called a birthright, um, which literally meant because you were born first, you get rights to all of this stuff, okay? And so no wonder, as Esau's coming out, it was a wrestling match to the very end. Esau won, but Jacob had him by the heel, all right? Almost like, no, you get back here. I'm coming out for, all right, anyway, this is my messed up mind, how I feel it going. All right, so let's, uh, let's keep reading here, verse uh, 26. Uh, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old uh, when Rebekah bore them. Verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, meaning the, the food that he killed to eat, but Rebekah loved Jacob. All right, so now we get this sense of like these two, as if the house needed to be more divided. We get a sense of like these two lives. You got Esau, he's, he's hairy. He's the man, you know. He's like, man, I'm going out, I'm going to kill, and I'm going to eat, right? And the father loved that. Why? They didn't say uh, Isaac loved uh, Esau because, you know, he was a good hunter or because he was so proud of him no he loved Esau because he loved the food right he, he was like man he provides food for me I love him okay like and I gotta be honest with you I, I love people who provide food for me too okay so that's what happens and uh and, and so then but then you have Jacob and Jacob is called a tent dweller do you know what that means that means he's a mama's boy all right that's what it means it means he's he's hanging out Esau's out he's hairy he's doing all of his stuff and you know making ways and and killing things with you know I just imagine wrestling bears with his bare hands and bringing them in and and Jacob is hanging out at home watching a little HGTV looking up some recipes on Google on what he's going to do uh, with the next bear that Esau brings in all right and so that's kind of the the drastic contrast between these two brothers, all right? Um, but if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down the first point that I want to make today. And I just wanted to set the stage, okay? That's the stage for this story that we're going to read about Jacob today. But if you're taking notes, write this down. Me first, me first is what's worst for us. Me first is what's worst for us. And I want you to see this because from the moment Jacob was born, this is, this is Jacob's destiny. This is who Jacob is. It's all about me first to Jacob, right? From the moment that he's grabbing at the heel, he is saying, no, 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 me first. I want to come out first. Why? Because he wants to be the firstborn. He wants the birthright. He wants all the privileges that come with being the firstborn. And we're going to see in Jacob's life how this plays out. But I want you to understand. I want you just to, to understand that, that phrase, that sentence. Me first is what's worst for us. Now listen, this is not what the culture teaches us. This is not what we want for ourselves. In fact, like, let's be honest, like, there's this um, theological idea called original sin, 
Okay, so if you've never heard of that, you can write it down, original sin. And some people believe uh, in that theological idea and some people don't. Um, The ones who don't, they've never had children. The ones who do, uh, they've raised toddlers in the house. Okay, I'm just kind of making a joke. But uh, the fact is, like, original sin means you were born into sin. Okay, what it means is that I never had to teach my three little hoodlums how to sin. I never had to sit Zeke, Zoe, and Evie down one day and say, guys, you're too kind, you're too joyful, you're too respectful. Let, me show, let Daddy show you how to have a little fun in life, all right? Here's how, you, here's how you steal, okay? Here's how you speak disrespectfully, all right? I never had to teach them that. Here's how you yell no at me from across the room, okay? Never had to teach them that. Never had to teach them, you know, hey, when you want oatmeal, yell at me. Yell at me really loudly that you want oatmeal. And then when I get your oatmeal, yell at me really loudly because I got you oatmeal, you know? Like I never, sorry, I'm just unpacking some stuff here today on Father's Day. But you never, I never had to teach my kids that, right? Never had to teach them how to be upset. Instead, I had to teach them, no, we don't, that's not how we act right? This is the proper way. Original sin just means we err when we're born on the side of sin, right? And, uh, and we need the grace of God to transform our heart and life to not want to be like that anymore. And so, so this is the world that we live in. We live in a me first, and we're born that way. Like, if you ever notice toddlers, when they start, first learn how to walk and they can kind of hold their own, they gravitate where? Towards the center of the room. Like, they gravitate there. Like, all of a sudden, and then what happens? The adults start going, oh, look, they're walking. Oh, look, they're talking. Oh, look, they're dancing. Oh, and all of a sudden, they've got an audience, right? Because it's me first. We are born believing it's me first. So church, I want to read to you a scripture. Usually I wait until the end of this and show you like how this connects with Jesus. But I want to show you from the very beginning of how this connects with Jesus. Because I want you to see it all throughout Jacob's story. So uh, flip over with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter, chapter 16. Flip or scroll with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. And I want to read to you what Jesus says. Now remember, Jesus is God. And when we hear from Jesus, we hear from God. When we see the way that that Jesus lives his life, we're seeing the way God is intending us to live our life. All right? So I want you to listen. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 24. All right? Listen to what Jesus says. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Isn't that amazing? That every other message is telling Jacob and is telling us, me first, me first. It's all about us. It's all about what we want. And, and meanwhile, Jesus says, no, actually, you can't even follow me if it's me first. If you're me first, you can't even start the process of following Jesus. Because Jesus says the first step is to deny yourself. 
And guys, I think sometimes we get caught up in the other parts where he says, take up your cross. And we're like, yeah, we're going to make radical sacrifice, you know. And, and then he says, follow me. And we go, yeah, we need to be about discipleship and teaching people how to follow Jesus. But notice how we usually shy away from the first command Jesus gives us. We want to talk about the radicalness of picking up your cross and following Jesus. But the truth is, most of us will never like radically pick up our cross and follow Jesus until we deny ourselves. Like we can't even think about picking up a cross. We can't even start thinking about that until we have come to the conclusion that me first is what is worse for us. And Jesus knew that. Okay, Let's keep reading the story of Jacob. Um, let's pick up in Genesis 25. So scroll back over with me, Genesis chapter 25 and uh, verse 29. Genesis 25, 29, if you're there, say I'm there. Okay, all right. Oh, that's a great story. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I forgot this one was in here. Okay, once, I'm just kidding. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. I know, right? This is crazy. I was like, hey, I'm hungry. Can I have some stew? Can I have your birthright? It's amazing. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Let's be honest before. Y'all ever been hangry? Does anybody know what I'm preaching on today? Has anybody been hangry in this house? We were in New Orleans. It was hot and humid. And I forgot just how much my sin comes out in humidity. It was amazing. And we got to a restaurant and I saw a big sign that said, I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. And I was like, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. So I repented in front of my whole family. But that's it, right? Esau, he says, I'm about to die. What good's a birthright to me? And Jacob said, well, then swear to me now. What an opportunist. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Listen, then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau dismissed his birthright. Woo! You want to talk about some family drama? Let's unpack that in the group text. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's amazing. Where all of a sudden, for a bowl of beans, Esau sells his entire birthright to Jacob. And Jacob, now I used to read that story, and I was like, man, Esau, you're messed up, right? But then I started reading, I was like, no, Jacob's so messed up. Like, Jacob, how dare you? Like, I couldn't believe it. So anyway, I think they're both a little messed up. If you're taking notes, write this down. Me first sacrifices something better for something lesser. Me first sacrifices something better for something sacrifice. Guys, Esau is now the one sacrificing his future destiny for a bowl of beans. Jacob, again, is me first. And it comes at a great cost. Because I don't have time to unpack this fully, but I just, I just want to say, like, I feel like so many of us, this is how we treat our relationship with God. 
Like this is how we treat God himself, even if we don't have a relationship with him. This is how we treat him so often is we are so willing to sacrifice knowing God for some immediate satisfaction that's not going to last. How many times have we sacrificed what God has planned for us for something worth no more than a bowl of beans? But it was there and we were hungry and we were exhausted and we wanted something now and we didn't want to wait on the Lord. We didn't want to wait on him. We didn't want to sacrifice anything. It was me first. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I need something. So yeah, whatever it takes, my future. My So guys, listen to me. This is what we do when we deal with sin. Like guys, if we're flirting around, playing around with some heavy sin in our life, man, we are, we are just one bowl of beans away from sacrificing what God has for us for something that is much lesser than what God could provide for us. Guys, do not sell what God has planned for you for a bowl of beans. Don't, it's not worth it. Now listen to me. God is full of grace and mercy. So in His grace and mercy, if you come to Him and you seek forgiveness, He will lavish you with forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. But there will be consequences. And sometimes those consequences include not getting to fulfill the original plans and things that God had for us. I see it with people all the time in ministry. I see it with other pastors. I see it with other people who feel called to ministry. And in one moment, they think nobody's looking. They think nobody will know. They think nobody will care. They're hungry, they're tired, and there's a bowl of beans. Guys, there will always be a bowl of beans. Don't fall for it. Don't take it. Because that is a me first. Jesus says, deny yourself and follow me. All right, let's keep reading. Let's flip over to Genesis chapter 27. All right, Genesis chapter 27. In Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 1, I'm just going to read this, read this to us, all right? Genesis 27, verse 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so he could not see, that means he's blind. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I'm old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to bring it to him and hunt some game for me. And prepare for me delicious food, such as I love. Bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now guys, you got to understand, there was the birthright, but there's also a blessing that comes with being the firstborn. So the birthright is like I get all the rights adhered to by being the firstborn. The blessing is a spiritual blessing handed down through generations that God has given, and Isaac is supposed to give that to the firstborn because the firstborn will carry on the legacy of what God is doing. So, so Esau's already squandered his birthright, but now Isaac says, I'm going to give you my blessing. But here's what I need. I'm blind, I'm old, I'm tired, and I'm hungry. All right? He must have been in his 30s. All right? So he says, listen. Just a he says, listen. He says, go get me some food. I'm going to eat, and then I'll bless you because I don't know when I'm going to die. Probably going to die soon. And so I want to go ahead and get this done. Verse 5. Now, Rebekah 
was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it. Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game, prepare for me delicious food that I may eat and bless you uh, before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats so that I can prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father's eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Do you understand what's happening right now? All right, Esau's gone. Rebecca hears, and Rebecca's like, well, let's finish the job, right? So now Rebecca's a little me first, and now she's getting Mr. Me first, Jacob, and says, go get me some food. I know just how your father likes it, and, uh, and let's do that, all right? So then, uh, let's see, verse 11, but Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, but I am a smooth man. Perhaps my, father, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. So she just put Esau's clothes on Jacob, okay? And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. I mean, are you getting this right now? Like, like I mean, this is like... Uh, tangled extreme you know like this is a mother knows best like she comes uh well, i guess that's i don't know what movie that is anyway he comes and mother says all right let's put put esau's clothes on you now here's some skin from the game that i killed let's make you some gloves and you're right son that your neck is way too smooth here have some skin and put some skin over his neck all right uh, then uh, verse 17, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Usurper, deceiver, heel grabber, me first. Verse 20, but Isaac said to his son, how is it you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Uh-oh. I mean, this is blasphemy. This is like bringing the Lord's name into this. But let's be careful because we do that all the time. We'd be talking about God's blessed me with this, God's blessed me with that, and God didn't bless us with anything. We did it all ourselves. That happens all the time, right? We just say things like, you know, we, we go and we drop a bunch of money on a new car or a, or a brand new house or, or something real, you know, like that. And somebody says, wow, this is beautiful. And we go, I know God's just so good. Well, God didn't do it. You didn't pray about it. Like, you didn't do anything. Like, God didn't drop that out from heaven. Like, you did that, right? We, we got to be careful because we are tempted a lot of times to give God credit for something God did not do. And that is called deceitfulness, being deceiving. 
Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Uh Uh-oh. And he said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him. He ate. He brought him wine. He drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him. I want you to, if you're taking notes, write this down. Me first is never satisfied. Me first is never satisfied. And that's what we get right here with Jacob, right? We see a guy, he's already, he's already exchanged a birthright for a bowl of, of beans. He's got everything he's, he's wanted, but it still wasn't enough. He was never satisfied. So now Jacob goes from grabbing hold of, of Esau's heel to now grabbing hold of his father Isaac to get his blessing. And I just got to wonder, like, we can look at that and go, man, Jacob was so messed up, like, so deceitful, man. We just, we would kick him out of the family. But I think we got to first, like, take a step back and see, do we see any of ourselves in, in Jacob? Like, do we see anything from ourselves and our lives in the life of the heel grabber? Because, see, guys, the fact is, we find ourselves grabbing at stuff all the time, don't we? Like, what is stuff that we're grabbing at? right? What good is it if we're grabbing for more stuff, more money? We're always grabbing for more popularity. We're grabbing for the best job. We're grabbing for people's approval, for status. We're grabbing for a boyfriend. We're grabbing for a girlfriend. We're grabbing for pleasure outside of marriage. We're grabbing for a big church, a more comfortable life, a bigger house, the American dream. What good is it if we grab at all of this stuff, but we lose our souls? What good is it? It may give you 50 years of meaningless happiness while Jesus can offer you 57 quadrillion years of abundant blessing and bliss in His presence. And we are tempted to sell eternity with God for 50 years of bowls of beans. See, I believe Jacob was terrified he was going to miss out on something. Well, I'm going to, I need the birthright because I'm going to miss out on something. I need the blessing or I'm going to miss out on something. So he gained the birthright. Now he wants the blessing. And guys, that's exactly what our culture has trained us to default think. I'm going to miss out on something. This is the point of social media. The point of social media is to make you think you are always missing out on something. And can I tell you the, from my pastoral heart the truth? You are. You are. Because you are not omnipresent. You cannot be everywhere at one time. You are always missing out on something better. So Jacob was terrified of this. And we, we are too. Oh, but what about, what if, what if better friends 
text me with plans this weekend? What if there are better people that I can hang out with? I don't want to say yes to them if something better comes along. I might get better plans for the weekend, so I will not commit to saying yes to doing that this weekend. I could do a better wedding than the one I just went to. We will have a better house than the one we just had dinner at. I could have a better spouse if they would just act a certain way. We could have better kids if they would do this. I need better grades than this person so I can have a better job of doing something so that I can make better money than somebody else. That way, I can drive a better car. I, I, I have or I want a better body than that person that I see. Guys, we are constantly grabbing at what we think is better and we are losing our souls. It matters. It matters for us. So why do you think Jesus told us to deny ourselves? Like a mark of a follower of Jesus is not one that says, me first, I don't want to miss out, I need something better, I'm striving for something better. Jesus says the mark of one of my followers is actually one who denies themselves. And says, I'm not part of this equation. This is all about Jesus. But if Jesus loved us, come on, why would Jesus tell me to deny my favorite thing? Myself. Why, if Jesus really loved me, wouldn't he want me to be happy? And doesn't he know what makes me happy is what makes me happy? Doesn't he know that? I believe it's because Jesus is so satisfying that he knows we don't need to bring anything with us when we follow him. Because he is so ultimately satisfying, anything we bring with us in our relationship with God is only going to let us down and disappoint us. Guys, Jesus is not telling us this to invade your party. Jesus is not telling us to deny ourselves because he loves miserable followers. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we looked and all throughout the region the church was walking around miserable. Nowhere! It's not in there. Even in the midst of persecution and murder and trials and martyrdom, even in the midst of that it says the church was marked by joy and suffering. I mean, come on, Jesus knows that me first is what is worst for us. But he knows that when we deny ourselves, we will find all of our satisfaction simply in him. Jesus is so good. He is so worth it. The church, you don't need to follow Jesus and bring your bank account with you. He owns everything. When we bring our bank accounts with us and say, yes, I've got Jesus, but I've also got my security and my money. When we do that, we limit Jesus. And say, you can provide for everything except my finances. Because I got that one on lock. Man, I don't want to miss out on him blessing my finances. You? Come on. I, I just, guys, we got to get this. So Jacob ends up running and hiding. That's the story. Jacob gets the blessing and he runs and hides. Isn't that amazing? He gets exactly what he wanted. But it did not bring him to be satisfied. It led him to two decades of running and hiding. Isn't that amazing? 
Sometimes the things we strive for and think we want the most are outside of God's will, and they do not lead us to a place of satisfaction. They lead us to a hamster wheel of never-ending having to please and work for everything. And that's where Jacob is. Some of us are in the same boat. We got it all, but we're losing our souls. We've made Jesus a side hustle so that we can gain the world. But what good is our lifestyle? What good is the Northern Virginia dream? What good is, a, is that degree? What good are all the travel sports? What good is the vacations? What good is padding the bank account? What good is a 60-hour-a-week job? What good is the relationship you're in if you're losing your soul? Well, let's finish up here. Genesis chapter 32. Everybody said amen. But you also know that I ain't really finishing up. Genesis 32, verse 22. This is the last story we'll read about Jacob. Genesis 32, verse 22. If you're there, say, I'm there. The same night, now this is 21 years later, okay? So we fast forward, told you guys we're skipping a lot. I'm not doing that on purpose, just doing it for time. Go back and read it, okay? Um, Genesis 32, we pick up 21 years later. Jacob at this point is like in his 90s. And here we go. The same night, Jacob arose, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but that ain't us, all right? And crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, okay? And Jacob was left alone. Verse 24. All my introverts said, amen. Jacob was left alone. Now, I know being alone is the last place many of us want to be, isn't it? Being alone represents having to deal with stuff, represents being alone in our thoughts, and God forbid we might get bored. We don't want to be alone. But can I just tell you that sometimes that's when God does His best work? Is when He has us alone? We're constantly searching for the next relationship. We're constantly searching for community. We're constantly trying to fight against loneliness. We don't want to be lonely. We don't want anyone else to be lonely. But can I just tell you, it was the times of loneliness when I moved from Mississippi to Northern Virginia as a single 24-year-old by myself with nothing and going home at night by myself. Can I just tell you, it was in those moments of loneliness, of silence, of solitude, of crying and begging God for community, that God did His best work in my heart. He couldn't do it when I filled my life up with noise. But when I was alone, (laughs) it was intimate. So Jacob's alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now that's either the strength of the man or Jacob was 90-something years old, right? The man wrestles with him, has him. They wrestle all night. And the man says, you've struggled all night anymore. Fight is over. Touches his hip. Jacob breaks his hip. Can't move anymore. But look what happens. Verse 26, then he said, Jacob said, or the man said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
Does this sound like Jacob? <laughs> I got the birthright of my brother. I got the blessing of my father. I don't know who you are, but you just broke my hip, so bless me. Right? Me first. Bless me. But how amazing is it that Jacob is holding on and he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And verse 27, the man said to him, what is your name? Uh, they've been wrestling all night. It's kind of an awkward time to be making first introductions, you know. But he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Now, there's a lot to unpack that we don't have time for, but here's what most, most theologians believe is that this man obviously clearly represents God, okay? And I don't think just represents him. I think was him. Uh, there's debate as to, I, I personally think it's probably some form of Jesus who's there, like in God in man form, could be an angel. Okay, there's different viewpoints, but the point is this is a God figure coming in while Jacob was alone to wrestle with him, saying, hey, Jacob, are you frustrated? Are you restless? Are you dissatisfied with life? Come on then, Jacob, enter the ring. Let's go. Let's fight this out. And sometimes we just need that, right? Sometimes we're walking around with this inner anxiety, this inner frustration, and God says, get in the ring. Come on, let's go a few rounds. I can handle it. I can take it. And I love the fact that he's, he's holding on and Jacob's holding on to him. And the man says, finally, I'm done. You, you've wrestled, you've striven, and you've won. The fact is, Jacob didn't win. Because we don't have time to read it, but in a little bit, Jacob's going to limp back home. Okay? That is not a win. All right? Jacob does not win. The reason God says that you won is because you strived. You strived. You didn't quit. You persevered. You didn't give up. And you fought with God. You clinged to God. You held on to God. Even though it was hard and you were fighting and you had questions and doubts and fears and you didn't understand, but man, you held on to Him. And because you held on to Him and didn't let go, Jacob, you won. You won. And here's the good news. He says, what's your name? And finally, Jacob says, my name Deceiver, heel grabber, usurper. <laughs> the man says, I got a new name for you, Jacob. I'm going to call you Israel. Do you, know what, uh, <laughs> you know what Israel means? Israel means triumphant with God triumphant with God from deceiver and heel grabber to one who is victorious and triumphant with God. Not apart from God, but with God. Jacob spent his whole life trying to create blessing in his life, but now he's holding on to the only one who can bless him. He let go of Esau and stopped grabbing his heel and started grabbing the heel of God. He, he, you have to let go of things, guys, in order to cling to Jesus. You've got to deny yourself. You can't grab hold of your, your family and your kids and your marriage and your happiness and your job. and You can't grab and try to have control and go, I'm coming, Jesus. You can't do that. Jesus says, deny it. Let it go. And instead of grabbing all of that, pick up a cross 
and come and follow me and I will provide everything that you need. Man, that's good. So, so write this down. It's our last note. Me first does not compare to following Jesus first. Me first does not compare to following Jesus first. Man, you can let go of everything because Jesus is worth the fight. But man, I feel like some of us were following Jesus and maybe it was six months ago, maybe it was last week, maybe it was six years ago, maybe it was 20 years ago, but at some point I feel like some of us have stopped striving with God. We've stopped wrestling with God. We've stopped fighting for a relationship with God and we've just started taking life, the punches that life throws at us. But church, listen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Get back in the fight. And don't get, when you get back in the fight, you can step in the ring. God says, who are you? And you can say, well, I'm, I'm Brandon. I'm scared and doubtful and insecure. And God can say, well, let's, come on, Brandon, let me wrestle some of that out of you. Then he can get in the ring and it might take all night, just me and him, not me, my wife and him, not me, my wife and kids and him, not me, my community group and him, just me and him. And he can wrestle with me until he gets all that selfishness and me first out of me. And then finally says, I'm giving you a new name. Through the blood of Jesus, you're not, you're not scared or doubtful or insecure. You're holy. You're righteous. You're beloved. You are forgiven. That is who you are through the blood of Jesus. Can somebody say amen in this place? That is who you are. When you wrestle with God and you don't give up, he gives you a new name. You are no longer who you were. You are now righteous. You are forgiven. You are not forsaken. You are beloved. And God sees nothing else. Aren't you glad God has given us a new name in Jesus? But here's the kicker. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. But here's the kicker for me. I want to read one more passage of Scripture, but you don't have to turn there. We're just going to put it on the screen. I want you to see it. It's found in Exodus chapter 3. And so we, you, you bypass a couple of more stories in Genesis, and then you get to Exodus. A few hundred years later, and you got the story of Moses. And here's what's amazing, is Moses stands before this bush, and this bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. And then all of a sudden, the voice of God begins to speak to Moses. And I want you to check out what it says. In Exodus 3.13, says this, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Listen, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Abraham That guy was full of faith. Isaac, he was full of faith. Blind, but full of faith. But Jacob, 
the heel grabber, the deceiver, at least use his new name, Israel. Nah, because God says, I'm here to relate to the deceivers, to the heel grabbers, to the me first people. I am their God too. It's just, listen to me, God loves us too much to let us stay that way. Because he knows that me first is always worse for us. And so today we worship. But we worship the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and we worship the God of Jacob. And today he is also the God of Brandon and the God of any of those who call on the name of Jesus. So today I have an invitation for you. An invitation that doesn't come from me, but comes from Jesus. And that invitation is to deny yourself. It's hard. It's messy. But today you can go ahead and make the decision and the commitment to begin the process of denying yourself because it ain't about the church and it ain't about those who have hurt you and it ain't about anybody else. This is about you following Jesus. That's what this is about. And you can't get there until you have denied yourself. And so today, maybe we need to lay some things down. Let them go. Trust in Jesus. And then I want to encourage you, if once you do that, now, don't just let go and then go back into a world of me first. Let it go and then tell Jesus, hey, I'll take my new name tag, please. And then start a course of journey of following Jesus by denying yourself today and then deny yourself again Monday and deny yourself again Tuesday. And the best way to do that is to get yourself in a community group and this week tell your community group, I got some denying of myself to do. To walk up to someone and say, hey, will you disciple me? Because I want to follow Jesus and deny myself. And I did that today, but I'm not sure how to do that on Monday. Can you help me? And that's what you do. So I'm going to pray over us. And then we're going to respond to God's beautiful word. So um, would you guys all stand? Let's all stand together and pray. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.